Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Whoa, 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 people. We are in for a treat. And uh, I, you will be able to tell from the tone in my voice, I'm exceptionally excited. If you cast your minds back to remember when we had a Carl Paoli on the podcast and I was like uh, over the toply excited because it was a little bit of a man crush. Now, I'm not talking about me, but somebody else that runs this podcast has a little bit of a man crush on, who is it, Timbo? Yes, sir. It's Mike Fitch, Jack. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you'll hear the story. I won't go into it now because it could just become a long and uh, extended introduction. But uh, yeah, Mike and I go way back. He didn't know about it, but I, <laughs> I did, and that's that. Sounds make me sound like a stalker now. Well, the only thing I was actually going to use that word. I didn't. I didn't um, interject for once. And, and you. But all I want to say in this intro is. Uh, most people hopefully flipping heard of him uh, animal flow uh, mike fitch but uh, all i want to say is for the record now mike is one of our best friends that's all you need to know so he was probably already weirded out by my slight fanboy <laughs> exercise and now he's just like we've, we've chatted for 45 minutes and we're basically best friends um so he'll be listening to this being like uh okay you guys are is we, he'll, we re, he'll we revoke that invitation to come and visit if we're not oh, careful jacko yeah newsflash he actually listens i mean listens it may have just been one but he proved he he referenced something from one of our previous podcasts that he yeah. um to prove that he'd listened i was like wow i feel like that was a vetting procedure dude's done his done his uh, <laughs> done his research sure. yeah but fair play it was about. just a good guess <laughs> anyway, we're not going to tell you too much because uh, well, there's loads about, if you're into Animal Flow, there's loads about that and it's a great, mm-hmm. if you're not into that, if you don't know what Animal Flow is, then you're in for a treat as well because it's a really effective and exciting movement system that Mike has been working on for sort of 10, 11 years now. So he goes through some detail in that and then the second half of the podcast, we get a little bit more philosophical. We talk calisthenics and progressions and different approaches to how we might structure training sessions. We talk a little bit about dancing. We talk about social media. Mike swears. It's just, it's the perfect <laughs> podcast, really. We laugh. Well, how we laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we no. just it was just a lovely rich relationship growing conversation right this is the best intro i've ever done jacko tell about the virtual classroom and then i get to say about what happens next before the main thing starts the only thing better than having a mike fitch as your best mate is having a membership in the virtual classroom that's all you need to know that is where you get all your training that's where you get all your support from each other in the community and that's where you get support from the coaches like me tim and the rest of the coaching team well done right Sit back and enjoy our best mate on our podcast, hanging out, doing what best mates do. <laughs> this is Mike Fitch from Animal Flow on the Movement, Strength and Play podcast. Best intro ever. Just roll the jingle, baby. Right, what an absolute pleasure this one's going to be. We are super excited to welcome Mike Fitch from Animal Flow onto the Movement, Strength and Play podcast. This one has got me excited. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. It's a true pleasure. So this is, I was just, when we were talking offline, I was going to give a little bit of context. Um, mine and yours relationship goes back some way, even though you didn't know about it um, at that, that I was going to say, whoa, 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 <laughs> relationship. Whoa, whoa, it's like... It's been on five minutes, Tim. It's been on five minutes. Jeez, I'm already being pushed out. Would you consider this a committed relationship or <laughs> a bromance an open relationship? <laughs> Are you seeing the people? But it started well. We've gone. We've we kicked off well. But um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so I, Mike, when I was first getting into learning calisthenics, as I said to you before, I was out in South Africa overlooking the ocean, wanted to learn to handstand. Got on the internet, had a little Google, and uh, and was inspired by your videos. And and you were you were one of my early handstand tutors. So to to have sort of followed your work from that time and, and engaged in it it's an absolute pleasure to have a, have you the opportunity to pick your brain and um i said to jacko before like it, i'm really up for just an open free-flowing coaching conversation about all things movement strength play and, and anything that comes in in the mix 
Ah, well, I'm game for whatever you guys want to talk about, and, and that's, that, that's very special to me, too. I'm glad that, we st that you started your journey through handstands uh, with some tutorials that, that uh, I put up many, many years ago. So that's super cool. I love that. So just give the people who are listening, Mike, if, you, if they don't know who you are, just a little bit of background about, about your, 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 who you are, what you've been doing, your journey through the, the various parts of, of the fitness, health, well-being movement industry. Sure. My name's Mike Fitch. I'm a cancer. I enjoy long walks on the beach, um, journaling. Uh, <laughs> single? So, or are you single? Yeah. <laughs> so, so guys, I started in the fitness industry when I was 19 years old, and I started in New York City. So I grew up in Kentucky, very, very small town in Kentucky, and I left there relatively early, at, a, at an early age, I should say. And I found myself in New York, in Manhattan on the Upper West Side, and I, I had my first job with a, a big gym chain there. And I have to say it was, it was really interesting coming up in the city at such a young age, figuring out how to you know, cut my teeth as a personal trainer and having some great mentors along the way. So fast forward, I moved then to Miami where I continued to train and, and you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek so I really like to jump in fully to, into whatever that, that really inspires me. So I, I ran the gamut as most fit pros do where I, you know, at the time kettle, it was the early adaptation of kettlebells into the US and so I really got into kettlebells, really got into sports specific training, really got into pre and post rehabilitation, became a medical exercise specialist. And I found myself where most, I think most guys probably do, where I just wanted to get jacked and be as big <laughs> and strong and lift the heaviest shit that I possibly could. And it's that just was, part of the process, isn't it's it? It's part just... of the process. It just comes with the territory. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. And I, you know, I, 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 I bulked up and, and I was lifting like two a days and as much as I knew about proper periodization and programming and technique, I just, I just had this very, very loud and repetitive message that kept going off that was, hey man, you're going to need to change this up pretty soon. And I started realizing, you know, I'm only expressing one of my physical abilities or biomotor abilities, if you will, and that was just to try to be strong, and then the, 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 uh, the response or the outcome of the way that I was training was to try to, to be muscly and have a hyper, hypertrophy response. So, Mike, what was your, just because it might be people that we've talked, we've shared a few uh, old things before from when, you, when you're in those, looking back on those days, what's the worst uh, sort of like bro science style thing that you did or believed in that you now realize is absolute garbage but you thought it was important at the time <laughs> is anything spring to mind well you know what probably comes to mind is more so the amount of protein that i thought that i needed to get in <laughs> yeah. and so i was eating three to four meals a day and then doing three shakes on top of that and the gas <laughs> that my body was producing was lethal well you're only having three protein shakes what's wrong with you <laughs> Well, bro, clearly I wasn't getting the gains I needed. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. So there's someone listening to this now, currently sipping their third protein shake of the day, going, what's my three protein shakes? Um, yeah, yeah stinking out of the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while, while his wife is, is wearing, you know, wearing her COVID mask and gas mask on top. <laughs> so, uh, so, guys, at that time, I just realized, okay, I need to make a change. I need to do something completely different because I just, you know, I, I was like, man, I'm too young to feel this old. And I was probably around 29 years old. And I just, I just felt like my, my body was taking a beating and getting out of bed in the morning was just not a pleasant experience. So I decided to do the exact opposite. And I put down the weights and started exploring only body weight 
disciplines or modalities. So I really started getting into calisthenics. I was inspired by, you know, all of the old school street workout videos that were going on at that time. I was, I jumped into gymnastics. I jumped into parkour. I jumped into break dancing. I really got into hand balancing, dabbled in a couple of circus arts, arts classes. And the thing that I realized... What, what year are we talking, Mike? Uh, what year would that be? So this would have been... 11 years ago. Yeah, so this would have been 11 years ago. So, you know, roughly... 2010. Yeah, exactly. Twenty. Yeah, yeah 2009, roughly t- 2010. Uh, yeah. Probably even just slightly before that. I'm, I'm really bad at dates and time, guys, and it's gotten way worse over the past year. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. That what scared is- me. I'm like, I'm still on 2020. I'm like, what's going, what's going on? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So, and, and I have to make it... a abundantly clear that I was terrible at every single thing that I tried. Like getting into gymnastics, getting into parkour, getting especially into breakdancing. But (laughs) instead of being discouraged, I just, I was like, wow, uh, I've spent almost my entire life working on my body and I have very little ability to use my body. So what can I do? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm sucking at it. I, I love the process. I started, you know, realizing that, that one, the skill acquisition really inspired me. I love this concept of to train to last. I love that I was experiencing all these different kinds of sensations and challenges. So that's when I started this, this uh, blog at the time, blog slash website that was called Global Body Weight Training, which we mentioned earlier. And I had a, a friend of mine who was actually a client who is a, has a doctorate in sociology and, and was running one of the biggest homeless organizations in Miami, but she also happened to have a degree in film. So I was like, hey, Karen, let's shoot some videos. And we started you know, doing calisthenic-style videos. And, and while we were cultivating that website slash blog, uh, Global Bodyweight Training, I was developing this this system called animal flow. And essentially the reason that I was developing that is because, you know, as you guys know, and I've heard you talk about before, uh, calisthenics is quite linear. You know, it's, it's, these are my very almost completely sagittal plane movements or isometrics. And I am not moving at a lot of various joint angles. So anyways, I, if I was, was looking at how I was experiencing body weight training, it was okay. Calisthenics is my strength training and stability training, whereas animal flow became my movement training as a complementary uh, approach. So I started just spending all of this time on the ground going, all right, how could my clients, because I was working as a personal trainer at the time, how could my clients benefit from some of these things that I was experiencing in these different classes? Because I'm sure 55-year-old George is not going to go to a breakdancing class or, you know, Betty is not going to go join an adult gymnastics class. So how can I take some, some of these inspirations and actually create a system that anyone could come into so the barrier for entry was low, they could feel successful at it right away, but if they chose to get deeper into it, they certainly could. So I took different pieces of, of you know, I... I From parkour, I really understood flow and transference of energy and redirecting or creating momentum that we work with. With, uh, I also learned animal locomotion, which is a part of animal flow. It's not the only part, which is a great misconception. It's really about the human animal, but I can come back to that later. Uh, and then with breakdancing, which by the way, I was always shit at, um, I learned <laughs> what we call movement windows, which is okay, if my body is in this shape on the ground, what are my options to get through it, to take an arm through it, to take a leg through it? So that was the catalyst to create this animal flow system. And then from there, it was, all right, I'm going to play with this with my clients. And then it became popular. We put out a DVD that we were selling through that, that other site, Global Bodyweight Training. And it really gained traction quite quickly, which then led to workshops. And then the story goes on and on. So I don't want to get too far ahead into any possible questions that you guys might have. But that's, that's pretty much the, the, the origin story, if you will. Yeah, that's amazing, Mike. Thanks for that. And I'm just interested because I've seen uh, from being sort of um, 
I guess, sort of aware of, of, of you and your journey from those early days. I, have you got any sort of figures about how you mentioned that, that animal flow is sort of um, it, it picked up quite quickly? I mean, I think that's probably an understatement because it's, it's it's a global phenomenon now, isn't it? You must be sort of leading the way in that. And the, the number of people that have gone through your courses and that are using animal flow across the globe now must be huge. Yeah, it, it's and it still shocks me to be quite honest. And it's one of those things where I keep having to check in with myself and and really go, man, how, you know, it's incredible the amount of reach, as you had mentioned, that has happened over the past ten years. And we, so just to give you a little bit of of information, we are now running workshops in I think forty five countries. We've had about fifteen thousand people come through the workshops, with a large majority of them going on to become actual certified instructors. So then those, you know, those certified instructors, they affect people. So that trickles down. Uh, we now have an on-demand platform and app. So we've been able to reach even greater audiences. Uh, in areas that we can't even, you know, we haven't even gotten to yet to do workshops. So it, it has been quite exceptional, the expansion that we've seen. And uh, man, I'm just, I give thanks every single day for it that I just get to be part of it. Do you find that a lot of those people are, when they're coming on, you mentioned going on to be certified, like, is there, is it, a, is there like a high proportion of that rather than someone just coming to the workshop just to to learn, they actually want to learn, use it themselves, but then they want to, you know, they're a personal trainer or they're some sort of practitioner that they want to go and then teach it and use it with their own clients. Is that is that the sort of general rule of thumb? Or? Yeah, and it, it's, that certainly used to be the major, the main priority, I should say. So whenever we, we first launched our certification system, the idea was how do we get fitness professionals to come in become certified in the program, and then be able to use the program however they see fit with their clientele. So maybe yeah. you know a yoga practitioner will use the, the tools differently than somebody else. Uh, a physical physio or a physical therapist may use it differently than somebody else versus a strength coach versus a personal trainer. And you know that's one of the things that, that I'm quite proud of with the system is that, yes, it does work as a system in its totality. However, I'm quite fine if you want to take it apart and go, oh, I'm going to use this movement for this particular client because it works really well. It's a great tool for that person. So yes, in the beginning it was, you know, let's see who can we qualify, let's see how many people we can qualify just so they can go and use the information to inspire more people to use their bodies in different ways. Then over the years, it's now spread to, well, let's not just focus on the fit pros and the health practitioners. Let's really get into the general population and people that we can, we can help and be of better service to. So that's where we started opening the workshops more to um, just enthusiasts. So people who wanted to come in, learn more about animal flow, how to use it in their own practice. Uh, and then even if they had decided later on that they get inspired to become a fitness professional, then they can go through the test out process and actually get the accreditation to teach it to other people, which we have seen happen quite often. So there has been a shift o over the years to where now it's, you know, the main goal is reach as many people as possible and inspire them to get to know their bodies and then hopefully even share that knowledge with other people. That's such a uh, yeah, it's inspiring to to hear you talk about it like that. And and one thing you mentioned, Mike, that I think is um, I just want to pick up on is he talks about longevity. And this is a conversation that Jack and I have, want, have been having. And, and we've found that more and more people are coming to us with this as their they're almost their number one priority. They've been through the same journey that we have in terms of strength training and and, and sort of becoming quite rigid and realizing all of a sudden that they just can't move in a way that they think they should be able to. And whether that's caused by not being able to play with their kids or they're getting aches and pains or just not feeling athletic anymore um and then the, we, we started calling this phrase around physical pension just talk a little bit about that because that's one of the things i really like about animal flow is it it's it's a maintenance and progression of just everything the human body can do and how important that is that we don't get stuck in these rigid patterns which have become such commonplace in lots of different types of fitness and strength training yeah yeah, I'd be happy to. And there are a couple of different ways that we talk about this, and it actually falls within our our four main our four main pillars of the animal flow system. And I'll just you know quickly go through this. But essentially, you know, and I did mention this earlier as far as the the human animal. So one of our our mottos is you know it's our goal with this practice to improve the communication, connection, and function 
of the human animal. You know, so these bodies that we are, we are blessed to, to live in throughout the duration of our life, one of the great ways in which we can honor all of its abilities is, you know, figure out how do we, one, make a more conscious connection to our body and its messages? How can we make our body on a systemic level communicate better? And then how can we increase the potential functionality of it? And so that segues into, well, if we're looking at this spectrum, right? So if we're looking at this biomotor or physical ability spectrum, if you will, and we think traditionally, okay, well, there's strength, there's power, there's speed, there's endurance, there's coordination, there's stability, mobility, flexibility. Well, most often, if you're looking at someone that is very dedicated to sport, or if you're looking at someone who is very dedicated to, let's say, lifting weights, they're only expressing a couple of those biomotor abilities. So uh, another way that we could say it that might even sound a little bit harsh is that they're not honoring the complexity of these human bodies that we get to inhabit. So there is plenty of potential to bleed over and to cross over into some of these abilities to start expressing a more complete human animal. So uh, which leads me to the next point, which is creating resilient bodies AKA training to last. And one of the greatest ways I believe that we can create resilient bodies is variety. So yes, we are, you know, again, claiming that, that expressing all of these different abilities is very, very important for longevity, but also again, the variety is key because our bodies truly are a story of the loads and stressors that we've experienced through a lifetime. And I'm actually stealing that from Katie Bowman and not doing a great job at quoting it probably. But it, it is so true, right? So everything that we do throughout a lifetime plays a role in the story of our body. So if we, we're, everything that we do is one dimensional, it's through the similar, you know, similar plane of motion, we're getting very similar loads throughout our workouts or throughout our day, how we're sitting, how we're using our, our, our body as we move through space, then eventually it's, it's, very, it's very likely that we will start to experience some negative side effects from that. Maybe it shows up as pain, maybe it shows up as injury, maybe it shows up as just not feeling like we're inhabiting our body well. So that's where variety really comes into play. And so our bodies, not only our nervous system, but also all of our soft tissues, our bones, they crave variety. And that's where, where adaptation stems from, you know? So specific adaptations to impose demands. Well, if I move my body at all angles, at all joints with as many different interesting and variable loads as possible, then now my adaptation process will hopefully be one that is specific to being able to move in all ways throughout the rest of my life. And that's where the longevity part comes into because life is three-dimensional. You know, life, it's not, uh, you know, I don't always squat down to pick up something the way I would deadlift. You know, it's, it's, it, it, you have to be able to express and manage these loads that are coming at us from life's demands. Yeah, and um, so, Mike, when you're, you know, you've already talked a little bit about how how you sort of used to trade and used to see movement and then, you know, obviously where things have gone now with, uh, with animal flow, where, where do you see like either mo the movement sort of practice in general? And then also like just you personally, like how, how is that sort of continuing to change now? Is your philosophy sort of stuck or is it, is it changing continually as you, as you experience more stuff and as you get older and as life sort of priorities change? Yeah, and when, when you, the first part of that question, when you were asking just about movement in general, do, yeah. you, do, you, do you mean my, my perspective on the movement culture, or is that uh, just with animal flow specifically? Uh, yeah, no, with, with uh, like just movement as, a, yeah, as, a, as a, a broader term, broader brush, not necessarily, I think when people hit the term uh, movement culture, a lot of people think straight to Ida Portal, like not, you know, not just one person, but just like, the whole sort of that whole sort of space of people that are involved yeah. in that. Yeah. So I, you know, I would certainly say over the past 10 years, there has just playing, you know, just my own experience in playing in that space, there has been 
a huge increase in the awareness of how important movement is and a push for, for everyone from you know, fit pros to general population to people who are looking for an alternative way to quote unquote get in shape to get into more movement-based training. And I, I can only see that that's going to continue to grow. Does that mean that the popularity of strength training, HIIT training, cardiovascular training, like the traditional stuff is going to, to disintegrate and dissipate? No way. But I do think it's really nice to, for people to realize and recognize that there's another option here that, that maybe they can have more fun, you know, if I, if I may say, or maybe they can have, um, there's something that, that resonates with them about skill acquisition. So maybe it's, you know, like I want to be able to obtain this skill and that, and, and via that process, their end result is maybe I get in a little bit better shape, you know? So I, I think there mm. is this, this higher awareness towards wanting to do things that, that resonate with us and that fulfill us in different ways just versus just the, oh, I have to, I have to work out or I have to exercise because I want this result versus, yeah. oh, I like to move because I have these chemical responses. I feel like I've, I've uh, accomplished something when I've reached this goal. And it's just, it, it's a totally different perspective, but I see that that's becoming much more accepted over the years. So that's yeah. cool. I think that we are a step in the right direction. I certainly didn't mean to um, use that phrase "movement culture" as connecting that to to one person. Just, I just, yeah, yeah, no, you know, just that was as, that was my own. That was that was my probably mine. And then just wondering if other people think as well. Just before you go into like your own, I just want to interject because you said something that reminded me of something you, you, the, earlier that. Um, and it's almost like, what would your advice be to someone? Because we talked about like need, the, the need for this variety, and we've certainly felt that ourselves. Like we, like we've come from previously like a, a sporting background itself, and I played professional rugby, which you don't really have rugby in America, but hopefully you know what rugby if rugby's like it. But um, so a bit, a bit like American football without yeah. rugby, <laughs> without the American football without the helmets. Um, but uh, for so to be, if if there are there will be people listening that they they get the they they sort of they're on board and they're like yeah no I do want that variety and I, and I know that it helps me with that sort of robustness and that resilience but equally I make I'm currently doing this sport or that whatever it may be and there needs to be a level of um, specificity for that sport so I used to think I was like a fantastic athlete when I played rugby because I was good at doing the sport of rugby, you come out of that sport and you try and do anything else and you realise that you're actually a terrible athlete because you're actually only good at doing a certain job. What would your advice be to someone to like not wait until you finish? Like how can they how can they use that variety and that robustness in terms of whilst they're still doing something specific as a as a as a sport maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and there are a couple of great things there that we could hit on. You know, and I, I think one of one of the the messages that if anyone's listening to this, that's heard me uh, talk about this before. It's it's quite common um, for me to, to communicate this, but you know, I'm a huge advocate of allowing yourself to try new things with giving your permission to yourself to be shit at it and be okay <laughs> with it. Yeah. You know, because we have this tendency, especially as people, if we're already in sport or fitness to go towards the thing that makes us feel strong, to go towards the thing that makes us feel successful and everything we're else. Conditioned. We're conditioned at school that it's like, oh, you're good at that. Go and join that team or, or do more. No one ever, no one ever says, oh, you're not very good at that, but just carry on doing it anyway because it's quite good for you. It just, <laughs> it's almost like deep rooted in us. It's pushed upon us. Um, I'm trying to challenge myself at like, do, can I, why can't I do something just because I want to do it rather than if I'm not good at it? Why, why does that mean that I don't then actually go on to do it? I think it's a fascinating concept for people. Yeah. And it's so powerful because, you know, you may go, well, yeah, I've, I've been a rugby player all my life, but you know what? I've always wanted to try rock climbing or I've always wanted to, mm. to, you know, uh, to, to try, uh, ultra runs or something like that. And then, you go into it with passion. And so passion is the catalyst or the driver and, and maybe even some curiosity. And you get into it and you go, oh man, this is day one and I'm terrible at this. You have two options. One of them is you go, great, 
I need to get better at this. This is an opportunity. The other ones you go, oh, this makes me feel weak and it kills my ego and I need to run around, run away and cry in the darkness. <laughs> yeah. So it, it truly is, you know, it, it, it is that line in the sand. It's once you get there, you have to decide because you're probably not inherently innately going to be good at that new thing because you spent so much time being specifically good at something else. So just giving yourself that, that ability, that freedom. And I always say, you know, keep a child's mind, leave the ego behind because the ego can get seriously bruised when you go in, when you go into something brand new. And then especially if it's a class scenario where everyone else is like doing the thing and you're the, the, the jackass in the corner that doesn't know what the hell they're doing and just being okay with it, you know, and that's, that's, there's something very powerful in that in, in the journey, you know, the journey is, is really where it's all about because guess what? You're probably not going to be professional at it tomorrow, but if you do enjoy it and you're starting to see some gains in it, uh, gains, not just muscle gains, but gains in your skill and your experience in it, then that's, that's fantastic. That's great. And so I always encourage people, you know, look, don't be afraid to be bad. Go and try that thing because it may take multiple things. So maybe you go and you, you know, you try... Uh, dance and you're like, cool, I always, I always thought this might be cool. And then you do it and you're like, ah, I don't know, this was hard, but also I'm just, maybe I'm not that into it. So go try something else. Go try something else. Go try something else. And eventually you might find that thing and maybe it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, whatever. But I always say there, there needs to be that love story. You know, there needs to be that thing that goes, oh man, I want to go do that thing because I love to do it. It fulfills me. Maybe I'm terrible at it at the beginning, but guess what? Every time I go back, it's going to suck a little bit less. And then, yeah. you know, and then again, uh, to echo what I said earlier, the byproduct is the, now I'm getting, my shape is changing, my body composition is changing, my physical abilities are changing. Uh, versus just that's the main goal. It's no, go find something that you love that makes you happy. So then I think that's a nice segue into what am the, the second part of that question, which is what mm. am I doing personally? And it actually is dance. That's what I'm, I've gotten back into. There's a really, really cool local dance studio here called Block 1750. And uh, I, I go in and I'm shit at all the classes. Like I was going to say, if only this we had video, we, we could, I want to see some moves. And it's, you know, it's, it's great because... Uh, I really challenge myself not to default to the things that I know. So like some of those classes are very much, so maybe it's a contemporary free form floor work class and there's freestyle components. I have to really challenge myself not to go back to the shit that I already know how to do. So I'm not going to just go on the floor and do animal flow while everyone else is truly expressing and it, you know, their freedom and experiencing different movements. So I have to, I have to really think like, this is going to be a very uncomfortable hour or two hours or three hours, depending upon uh, the duration of the class. And it's, it's really refreshing, guys. I mean, it's, it's so nice. Mm. And then just those little, those little tiny incremental advancements that I'm making. It's like, wow, I feel really proud of this. I can now do this move. I can, you know, I look less jarring and less like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and, and to go back... I think it's worthy to mention that specificity. Like, you know, just because I'm okay at one movement discipline doesn't mean that that's going to transfer over into everything else. However, the more challenges and skill, motor skill tasks that I can expose myself to, the higher the chances that my movement literacy will grow, which will make it easier over time to learn new things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's a really great point that you make there. And there's so much there that I was thinking as you were talking, Mike, around um, one thing that I think is such a strong point of, of um, animal flow is that the, the accessibility is so good. The, the, the barriers to entry of getting started with animal flow are, are so small because you go back to some real basic patterns that we all have done at some point in our life um, and then starting to build it build it through from there. And I think the, the other thing that just as you, as you were talking was making me think was like this: the biggest barrier sometimes is somebody's own willingness to put themselves in that comfortable or uncomfortable situation and just go and try something and then once you've been a few times you're part of the gang right and and it gets a lot easier when you know a few few more few familiar faces and, and that sort of thing so yeah i love that thing of a beginner's a beginner's mindset um 
there's one thing I was wanted to touch on around that is in animal flow. If people have seen it, they may have seen um, sort of different examples of some of the ground-based movement patterns. How do you sort of scale and progress it? So if somebody was coming in as a beginner and then wanted to sort of invest more time in it, where does it where does it go and, and what does an advanced animal f- flow practitioner um, or, or participant, if we take it out of that that the sort of professional um, sort of language, look like? And what sorts of things? Do, where do you where do you go with it? Yeah. So just to give you guys a little bit more information as far as how the system is, is developed, or, or maybe I should say how it's compartmentalized, there are six components that make up the animal flow system. And the first one is wrist mobilizations. And, and that's just simply because if you've taken someone who has not spent much time on their hands and you're asking them to now spend an hour on their hands, uh, we need to do some wrist preparation, some wrist and hand preparation, both before, during, and after any exposure. So that's why it's component number one. Component number two is something we call activations. And so activations are in our in animal bases. So we, may, we have a beast and a crab activation. Uh, and simply, it's just getting someone comfortable with the floor and igniting that that neuromuscular highway of communication within the body as the hands and feet are in contact with the ground and they're holding their body in these different shapes. From there, we do have what we call our animal locomotive pattern. So we have that in, in the most basic levels, we have the ABCs of traveling forms, which are ape, beast, and crab. Then we have something we call our form-specific stretches, which is the fourth component. And form-specific stretches are like full-body mobilizations that, if you were to look at it, they might look kind of yogic in nature, but the intention is very, very different as we're actually trying to create tension points to gain more range of motion. Uh, That's why I call them full-body mobilizations. And then we do have something we call switches and transitions, which are kind of like the puzzle pieces that we use to start building the flows, which is the six-component flow. So when you look at this, this entire makeup of the system, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can take apart the system however you see fit. So maybe if I have someone who's an elderly client, I'm going to spend some extra time on their wrist preparation. I may even use some sort of um, you know, push-up stand or something to where they, if they need to keep a neutral wrist versus an extended wrist. I would spend time on some of these activations, maybe sometimes on, on, on some of the regressed form-specific stretches, and then I would find some very simple flow that we would be working towards. Whereas if I have you know, someone else who, let's say that one of you guys come in and you have a, a lifetime of experience in strength training or sport, then our experience with animal flow may be completely different. Maybe I'm really trying to challenge your mobility with some of these form-specific stretches, but I'm adding them into a flow sequence so that we can also work on your coordination and reaction time. Also giving your brain a little bit of a workout, if you will, while you're trying to remember which side is your left and right as I'm calling out the movements to you. So uh, I think my... The reason that I'm giving the, you this long explanation is one to give you a little bit more information about the program, but also to say that it will look very different depending upon who is in front of me or the class in which I'm teaching. And that to me is actually pretty cool because it's, it's not always a, it's done this way. There, there's no dogma that is connected to it. There's no you know, deep mm-hmm. philosophy that you always have to do it this way and that it should never be altered or never combined with other things. You know, we may have someone who takes one movement and they, they, they superset it with the rest of their strength training. And that's how they're getting their mobility work in with their body weight or, and or loaded training. So kind of a rambling answer to say that it can look like so many different things depending upon the person who's interacting with the system. Yeah. I think for one of the things, there's a, there's a, a great similarity, obviously, because it's body weight training, isn't it, that, um, of, uh, of what we do with, with uh, the school of calisthenics around their emphasis is not on um, looking a certain way or there's not a hypertrophy element. Like you will get some of these things in terms of changing your body aesthetics as a result of training well and moving your body well and giving it all of those different options that you're talking about. But ultimately you're trying to learn to move a certain way or trying to do a certain pattern or movement or end shape or whatever, whatever that may be. So in terms of it pushing an outcome and we've, we ourselves have, have benefited mentally from not 
not trying to look a certain way. Um, and, you know, I think Tim has the, I, I won't try and make out that I've got quite the same man crush on you as, as Tim has, but um, you're a good looking guy and you've got a decent, you've got a decent rig on you. Um, like how has that changed for you over time and how do you see that? Is that anything you've ever struggled with in terms of body image? Is it something that's actually really important to you that people don't worry about how they look, you know, um, what, what, what's your view on that? Yeah, man, that's such a great question. And it's, you know, so it's, I stole it off Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you gave credit right back to him. So I think that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so it's, you know, it is, it is funny that we have this thing where exercise means that we're, it's somehow synonymous with a certain body that we're chasing. You know, I do this because I want this result. Whereas, and you guys know this because you're, you're pushing this message, you, you practice what you preach, which is, well, the goal is these, are these skills that we're trying to obtain and, and a certain functionality of our body to be able to perform these things. And like you said, the end result then becomes uh, physical symmetry. It becomes maybe a change in body composition. Maybe someone has more confidence in their body because they can do some of these skills that other people cannot because they haven't put the time into it. So for me, you know, as, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, yeah, I started where most guys do where, you know, I wanted to look a certain way. I, I wanted to, you know, be able to take off my shirt and, and feel really confident in, in, in my, my physique. But I honestly have now gotten to the point to where my pursuit is to be better at these different skills. And, and it really is like I'm happiest with my physique whenever I feel accomplished in those endeavors. And I just noticed that it's a, the, a physique or a rig, if you, if you want to call it that, um, Look, you know, if it looks appealing to me and I feel comfortable in it and confident in it, that's great. But that again is not the main driver. And I have noticed that that through and I now only do. I've I've kind of gone back and forth. Where sometimes I'll go back to loaded training, but at, at this point over the last year and a half or so, uh, or almost two years, I've gone strictly back to just calisthenics and animal flow, um, uh, animal flow practice, and I have to. S- I have to say, I've, I've never, I, I've actually never felt better in my body and mm. felt like personally, I don't feel like my body's ever looked better. And I, I just turned 40, uh, you know, in July. And so it's, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. And I love that the thing that keeps pushing me forward is not physique driven. It is skill driven. And it's, you know, I want to learn how to be better at these things. And that essentially is the journey of self mastery. You know, it's, you'd never reach the finish line. It's, you're always working towards something, towards some, some discipline. And that's what keeps me going. I'm going to ask you a question, Mike, which is, uh, I know that when people go to conferences and like a coaching conference in sports science and stuff, someone will stand up and they'll, they get this really profound and, um, and detailed and sort of well thought out presentation. And someone will stick their hand up at the end and go, so, uh, how many reps shall I do? And it's, uh, it's <laughs> almost just destroys it. But I'm just interested with somebody like, such as yourself, what does a calisthenics workout look like for you these days? Yeah. So I, 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 I stick to main, you know, primary patterns. So I have my vertical push, so handstand push-up training. I have my horizontal push, usually single arm push-ups. I have my vertical pull, some sort of pull-chin variation. I have my horizontal pull, some sort of row variation. Pistol, dragon, uh, shrimp, and, you know, like the good old stuff, the good yeah. old stuff. And then, yeah, from, yeah. you know, isometrics, back, back lever, human flag, front lever, um, you know, sometimes I'll throw some planche work in there. Yeah. Is there anything in that, in that side of things that you're still working towards, um, that you're you sort of, cause I've, I've kind of in a similar place with my training where I've, I just, at the moment, particularly just, it's, it's a lot of what I would call just fundamental foundation movements. It's, it's exactly the same as, as what you're doing. Um, and I've kind of been questioning myself about, do I continue to push forwards towards harder skills and progressions? Because that's one of the things I love about calisthenics, that there is always something that you could, you could go after a more difficult handstand push variation or a different human flag variation or, or whatever 
it might be. Is there anything that you're still sort of striving towards that you would like to achieve or have you found your level and gone, this is just this basic level of, I say basic, but this, this, this stage where I'm just having fun with fundamental push-pull patterns, um, I, I don't need to go and continue to chase more difficult things. Uh, yeah, the only thing, uh, such a great question. The, the thing that I am... You know, and I'm very specific, or I should say very focused on if I have a particular skill I'm working on, whether it be movement or calisthenics, I usually try to only keep one or two skills at a time that I'm actually pushing forward on. And so for me right now, the skill in the calisthenics world that I'm pushing forward on is getting back uh, some, some very, very solid freestanding handstand push-ups for reps. Uh, you know, and I had, I have not really trained those so much over the past years. And I'd had a very interesting nerve and cervical spine thing that, that popped up many years ago that took me down in the numbers of, of those repetitions that I could perform successfully. And so I'm, I'm literally building that, that skill back up from basement level. And it's been a lot of fun and it's been, you know, it, 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 it really is a challenge when you could once do something and feel very comfortable at it, and then that's taken away from you. And then to be able to go back and start from scratch and just go, all right, cool, whatever I, I accomplished today, that's what I'm going to accomplish. And just knowing that I will progress, it will get easier, I will be able to find that skill again. So handstand push-up for me right now is that skill. Uh, and then I think probably next on the list will be uh, getting back to a solid front lever, which, by the way, I heard on a podcast, someone's front lever is their kryptonite. Oh, you listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, but we can pick up our line if you got any I'm working on it, but let's not get into that. Someone, actually, I'm going to give Reese a shout out, sent me a message afterwards, basically telling me that I stopped feeling sorry for myself after you listened to that. And he was like, it almost says, like, Put, like, put your big pants on and, and crack on and stop moaning. And I was like, I was, I thought I was being genuine and, and humble and, and just sharing the, the, the experiences of the journey. He's like, no, you're complaining. I was like, oh, thanks, Reese. There you go, Reese. I've called you out. Matt, Matt get, um, just context of, uh, just because this comes up all the time, I'd just be interested to, like, what's your height and weight, roughly? Because some people would be like, oh, like, you know, you can't do X if you're this big or whatever it is. Yeah, so I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a six, six foot one and change, and I'm about 175 to 185, depending. Um, and I, I'm, I think about 70% of my body is legs. So, <laughs> which helps with for a front lever. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always funny with, with body weight training, right? When you hear people, they're like, ah, I'm too, I'm too big to do that. I'm too long to do that. I'm too, uh, yeah, excuses. Yeah. Or equally, sometimes um, you don't realize that someone's actually five foot six and, like, yes. and, and 55 <laughs> yeah. kilos, but they look massive because they're like actually, you know, size, like muscle wise. It's, it'd just be, it's, that'll be encouraging for anyone else that's over six foot. I feel like a, a midget now at five foot 10. <laughs> I need to pick my game up. <laughs> did, did you ever, you said you mentioned planche, Mike. Did you ever get to, um, to full planche feet together? Um, levels or is that is no that... so i've had i've had decent success with straddle planches and again you know my I, I believe that my uh my biggest struggle there is that when my legs are long the lever is so long comparatively to to um leg versus torso and again not an excuse just saying that i do feel <laughs> quite comfortable i have felt quite comfortable in the past when doing straddle planches and and, and even sometimes i will incorporate some animal flow like we we call these things side kick throughs but i'll alternate side kick throughs pausing in a straddle planche and then going back through so actually using nice. it as a transition which is pretty cool yeah that is yeah. nice i like that well, actually i can segue this nicely into a, a a completely different uh topic which may or may may be uh may maybe a little bit of a um interesting one with uh the fact that you said that your um uh, having you know seventy percent of your body weight being legs, that will mean that you won't get um, people hating on you for the for the skinniness of your legs that me or Tim may or may not have had at some point in the in the past, and I'm sure will at some point again in the future. You know, nice calves, Jacko. Do they come in men's? Um, <laughs> is a good one. It's often but, um, like, oh, nice shorts. Do they come in men's? That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm not afraid of wearing a short pair of shorts <laughs> when it's sunny. Um, but uh, yes, and so to the the question can segue also with including someone we should have mentioned before, uh, Ryan Hurst from GMB. Um, connected the two of us so he's a, a mutual friend there and he spoke about this um quite openly and passionately on the podcast which was great to hear that it was just that that pandora's box of of social media you know you've you, you you've got one of the ma- the magic blue ticks well done um on the, but that you know the fact that you have a big presence and uh you know you will have a lot of views and likes and everything that comes with those on your social media channels but um you know, where do you, um, where do you, what's your sort of relationship with social media? Like, uh, do you like it? Do you hate it? Ryan talked about um, the negative side of um, criticism and things. Like, just really interested to hear other people's um, thoughts and views on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to start off by saying, fuck Ryan Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> That guy being nice and talented and... On air. You should see him off air, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, Ryan, obviously, Ryan's a buddy of mine, and I, I love him dearly. He's, he's such a great dude, and he's done yeah. so much for so many people. And we, you know, we came up together, if you will. You know, at the time, on you know, YouTube was basically the only way you could post videos at the time, and it was... To, you know, in my world or in my view, it was us, it was GMB, and it was Al Cavadlo. And, yeah. and then, of course, all of the, the Bar Stars, Calisthenics Kings, like all those guys were doing their things as well. Uh, but we were really pushing forward with the tutorials. And if there's anyone else, I'm sorry if, uh, that I forgot to mention. But um, so Ryan and I had come up in the space, and, and we became friends very quickly. Uh, versus being rivals, which I thought was very cool. Then I actually went to Japan and visited him, and we've spent lots of time together since. But uh, as far as social media goes, I can also say fuck social media as well and mean it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that literally everyone seems to be that way inclined. Well, not everyone, just a lot of people you speak to. You know, and I, I... I, it really truly is a double-edged sword because, you know, this is yeah. the thing. It can be a absolute cesspool, and at the same time, it can be a very powerful tool to help inspire, motivate, and serve other people. Yeah, so, you, must have, you must have touched and influenced so many people and had, you know... Uh, personal connections with some of those people that that you that are watching your stuff, asking you questions, and not so there is that um, you know there is a very good side to it as well, though, if you know what I mean. There certainly is, and to be honest, you know one of one of my favorite things in Animal Flow is is our community, and, and yeah. our community is so supportive of each other. They're so positive. They're so engaged. And I see that interaction on Instagram. I see it on Facebook. And it's just so, it's like, man, it's just a great reminder all the time that this thing has become so global and that these people just want to communicate with each other. And mm-hmm. social media is a great platform for that. You know, on the on the reverse side, you have, sure, you're, you know, haters going to hate, right? So you got people <laughs> who, and I think ultimately what it comes down to is, Everyone wants to have a voice. And now with social media, everyone can have a voice. What they have to say is not necessarily awesome. But <laughs> are, you, are you sensitive? Me and, me, me and Tim are like, mate, have you seen what that person said? It's not very nice. I that, well, you like, used to be. I think we're a lot better now than we were. <laughs> yeah. Man, I can tell you guys, I used to be very, very sensitive, especially when, yeah. I, when I first started. And, you know, you, you would have... And you guys know how this goes. You could have 80 comments that are like, that's amazing. And one person who's like, you suck. And that's all you can think about. That's all. That's you just, it's in your dreams. You're thinking about that one person like, man, fuck that guy, you know? <laughs> and it's just crazy how those little cuts can really get to you. And, and you just have to all, I, for me, what, what the perspective that made sense to me was one, don't engage to know that that person knows nothing about you, know that they probably can't do anything close to what you're doing. And then also, you know, having a little bit of empathy for them as far as just realizing that, man, I- I'm sorry, bro, or, or ma'am, for whatever happened in your <laughs> life. 
that made you feel like you want to spew hate as your interactions on social media? You know, and, and, and it's, to me, it's just, it's that simple. You know, it's, you don't know me. You don't know my struggle. You don't know my journey. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm trying to do with this journey. So mm. how can you have a say in it? In, and even if you do have a say, why would I let that affect me? Mm. And, and that kind of, you know, that's, that has, has thickened my skin and allowed me to just go, oh, fuck, who cares? Yeah, is that where you're at with it now? It literally wouldn't. Water, water off a duck's back type of A hundred percent. Yeah, I just, I, I don't care. And then, you know, what we get a lot, although I have to, you know, to be completely honest, we have, so I have the, the, the personal Instagram and then I have, uh, we have Animal Flow Official. And Animal Flow Official gets way more, way more punches thrown at it than I do personally. And our, our, our uh, head of marketing, Shannon, she gets all those punches. So to be <laughs> quite fair, I'm like, oh, yeah, everyone. I, I love everyone because that's, I only interact with the people that I follow. And I have to say, like, they're all very positive. And then sometimes I'll get someone that says something and I'm just like, so don't follow me. You know? Like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. My, just my, go just, somewhere else, bro. It's all good. Just one um, last question around this for you. I just wanted to, to, to pick up on, on, as you said, the interaction that you get and the size of your community. I was just wondering, have you, have you guys been very intentional about how you've built that? Or is it, has it been quite an organic process of people just connecting through a common and shared enjoyment of, of your, your, um, your content? Absolutely intentional. So from the very beginning, it was let's create communities. And, and, and the reason that that was that actually came up is because whenever we, when I first started teaching the animal flow classes, just at the gym I was teaching at the studio I was teaching at, uh, it was clear that people felt like they were part of something and their struggles were, they could share their struggles with each other and, and, and encourage each other. And it was just, it was apparent right away. This is a community. So then how do we cultivate this community as we begin to spread to a global level? And that's why we have, you know, we have these, these get-togethers, we have these flow jams. We we just rolled out this regional leader program where there it's their job to facilitate more uh, outreach to communities to get pe- more people involved. And it's just so yeah. So that's always been a driving factor, and it has absolutely been intentional from day one. Great, that's uh, inspiring to hear. So. My, we're just gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We probably could do another hour of just uh, of, of chatting through stuff, and we'll pick up that front lever conversation just now. Um, I don't want anyone <laughs> to think that I'm feeling sorry for myself again. So <laughs> Reese is gonna love this when he listens to it. I'll be getting bombarded by by uh, by some messages. But thanks so much for coming on. We really value and appreciate your time, and, and thank you for what you've done for the industry and, and created a system, and which is uh, yeah, I've used it with with athletes and, and clients in the past, and um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's such good quality and high quality work. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Now, we told you in the introduction that that was going to be a good podcast. I think we delivered. So we hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out some more information about Mike and you want to find out about Animal Flow, then you can go to animalflow.com to find out about the movement program and system and how you can get engaged with that. If you want to like a bit, see what he's like on social. We talked about social. If you want to go and sort of just say nice things to him on <laughs> yeah. social without Don't go getting on him. grumpy, uh, you can go animalflowofficial or mikefitch.af. And should give him some love and tell him that, you, that his best mate sent you. Go, go, go and send him a message again. Oh, that's a fan. Despite the fact that 70% of your body weight is in your legs, that's a fantastic handstand push up. You must be really strong. Um, yeah. Then he'll know that you're one of our best mates because you've listened to the podcast and gone through. So, yeah, if you enjoyed listening to our new best mate on the Movement, Strength, and Play podcast, then please do leave us a review. Uh, Let us know what you thought of the podcast and uh, it just helps, one, make us feel a bit better about ourselves, but two, equally, helps with ratings of the podcast so more people can enjoy um, the podcast and and the guests that we get on and then hopefully we can get other guests that we want to be friends with and then get them on and then tell them that then they're best mates with us and that's sort of I'm how that's what I was thinking. I was like, if you give us more five star reviews then I'm going to I get to think about who, I, who else I want to be best friends with not who, that anyone who, wants to be better friend than Mike but, off, the, yeah. off, off the bat Tim quickly before we sign off just I've never who 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 would if you could go for one person on the podcast and that they would then be your best mate who would you go for do they have to be movement related no it could be anything but... uh, The Rock 
Yes! <laughs> <laughs> right, The Rock, we're coming for you. Now, I, I think that that's a bit out of our... I don't know. There's, there's lots of people, but um, that was the first one that came to mind. I just think, yeah. For some reason, I'm now it. thinking of Will Smith. That would be cool. That would also be good. Maybe get yeah, them on together. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Anyway... Let's get off this because it's uh, people. This is probably weirded people out already. So no, people like it at the end. People like it because <laughs> yeah. they're not sure what we're going to say because they know it's completely. I mean, generally the majority of, let's say, ninety nine point nine percent of the podcast is always off the cuff, but they know that the last bit is definitely off the cuff. Yeah. Kevin Hart, that's another one as well. Yeah. So actually, this is a anecdote to just come. Yeah. If you've not seen Jumanji with uh, the Rock and Kevin Hart, and I thought the same, Jack, I hear that scoffing tone in your voice. No, I'm nothing. Like, like, I I love the Rock and Kevin Hart. Well, watch Jumanji. Like it's excellent. It's uh, it's very good. Is it better than um, I Bought a Zoo? It, way better than that. Matt Damon's not on the best friend list unless he's listening. Then Matt, if you are listening, I'm open to being best friends as well. We could 100 percent get Matt Damon on the podcast. No, so we couldn't 100. We should 100 percent try. Right, we'll put a list in. Um, um, we're getting well above our station with guests, by the way. Possibly, but All in good for time. now, until we get these the big wigs on. Keep exploring your physical potential with movement, strength, and play. Class dismissed. Class dismissed. I'll do it again. Do Hold that. on. Don't cut this out. Leave this bit in. Back by popular demand of the listeners, proving that we do listen to your feedback. It is your chance now to be class dismissed. Class dismissed.